Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make it so. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to a special patron-only episode of The Secrets of Star Trek. Joining me today are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. Folks, the CBS All Access has launched a, another new Star Trek series on its service. Uh, this one is called Star Trek Lower Decks. It is the first animated Star Trek series since the original Star Trek, the animated series, nearly 50 years ago. And so, uh, as I said, it's called the Lower Decks. And as a special patron uh, benefit to our patrons, we're discussing our first impressions of each episode as they air and sharing them exclusively with you, our patrons, first. And later, we'll bundle them all together and make them available to our general audience. Uh, that helps show them the benefits of being a patron. So uh, let's talk about Lower Decks the, in the first episode. And let's talk a little about the, the show itself, uh, the overall concept. Uh, it, it used, apparently, it uses the... TNG episode Lower Decks as its inspiration, mm -hmm. focusing on the junior officers who we don't usually see and not on the bridge officers. Well, it that's one of its inspirations. It's also clearly inspired by John Scalzi's novel Red Shirts. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, what do you think? Which is, did, which is, yeah. it is even closer to it because yeah. Red Shirts involves the Lower Decks people on a starship that's much like the Enterprise. Uh, with these big heroic people up top, but it's played for comedy. Right. Which is the central thing about this Lower Decks is it's played for comedy. That, and so even though it's the second animated series, it's the first comedic series. We've had comedic episodes before, like The Trouble with Tribbles or mm -hmm. things like that. But this is a, an entire series that's uh, being done in that style. And so that's its most distinctive feature. Yeah. Do, what do you think? Do you think it's also a bit inspired by the Orville of all things, which was itself a sort of a comedic takeoff of I, I TNG? So. I definitely think so. I mean, it, it's they, they looked at the fact that the Orville became uh, fairly popular among Star Trek fans because it did have the 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 feel of TNG, but the humor kind of spliced in. Yeah. And I think they're definitely trying to to capture some of that. And, you know, we should mention, too, that this is this series is set after the movie Nemesis. Right. So it's set within, you know, the late TNG, TNG era. era. Yeah. I don't know what extent to what extent it's influenced by the Orville. I understand why people would make that comparison, because it is both comedic and inspired by Star Trek Next Generation. And the Orville has those two characteristics. But given the timelines that are involved in producing an animated show. Uh, the Orville either, this was either under development already, or the, what I think is more likely, the Orville was on the decline when they started making this. And when the, when the conceptual work was done for this, because the Orville was most popular for like a season or two, and it really went into a decline in the ratings. 
Um, and it, and so I wouldn't look to say, oh, let's do the Orville if I'm a Star Trek producer and I've seen the Orville is, is, you know, already in its decline because it wasn't as huge a hit with the fans as it could have been. Um, it didn't end up being for a while. It looked like it might eclipse Star Trek, you know, as mm -hmm. the big new thing with Star Trek fandom because people were having a negative reaction to discovery and ultimately that didn't happen. Um, so if I was a Star Trek producer, I don't know that I'd say to myself, let's do the Orville. I would be more inclined to say here, let's do let's do red shirts. And, and and it just is coincidence that it has similarities to the Orville. I wouldn't put it past anyone in Hollywood to to copy something that's already on the decline <laughs> yeah. as well, a way of sucking the air and, out of the room for be, any competition. And, and to be fair, <laughs> Orville has only had two seasons. Season yeah. three is still on hold until all this fun stuff with the virus gets yeah. taken care of. So, well, I mean, that, that, that I mean, anyways, but I, I, yeah. I do think, though, I'm you, not I'm not ruling it out that it could be influenced, but I'm just yeah. saying I'm not. It's not obvious to me. I, I could see after the first season, Orville, them saying, hey, we could do something like that. Yeah. Also, it, uh, the, a little bit of the irony is the Orville, as it went on, what became more serious and less farcical, because uh, mm -hmm. I think that was the intent all along. Yeah, yeah. that was that I was going to make that point, because the yeah. Orville really wanted to be next generation, but needed comedy as an excuse to not get sued. <laughs> and and. This is the opposite. This is interested in being a comedy. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's pre it's produced by one of the guys from Rick and Morty, which is an astonishingly popular series of which I have seen very little. Right. But, <laughs> but... Yeah. Well, so let's talk about th this series. then. so it, the setting is it's on a ship called the USS Cerritos, uh, of the mm -hmm. California class. Uh, Cerritos is a town in California, correct? Yeah. Yeah. OK. Uh, and so it and like you said, uh, Father Corey, it, it takes place after ne the events of Star Trek Nemesis. So uh, about 20 years before the events of Star Trek Picard. So this time period in which really nothing else has been created for TNG, which is interesting. So I mean, for Star Trek. So uh, it, it's sort of uh, uncharted territory. Uh, <laughs> in, a, in a sense and so we have a, this cast of characters these junior officers so let's let's talk about them the the some people well you you, you the, who the lead is is sort of variables but let's talk about the, the alphabetic There's, they're co-leads yeah yeah so ensign beckett mariner she is uh capable she's competent she should be in a better job in fact she's had better jobs in starfleet uh, <laughs> but she has an attitude problem uh, basically, uh, she's basically Han Solo. Yes. I mean, she's the Han Solo character. She's she's hip. She's cool. She's jive talking or smart talking, however you want to say it. She yeah. is very competent and very flip. Yes. Yes. Right. She's the she's the bad girl in school. Right. And she's, uh, she hasn't seen a rule or regulation. She doesn't want to break. <laughs> and she's awesome. I really like her character. Yeah. <laughs> she's a lot of fun. And you also get the sense that she even though this is a comedy and people do outrageous things, you also get the sense that she genuinely cares. Yeah. And she about people. Right. And like she she comes over the course of this episode. We see her caring about her co-lead Boimler. Um, yeah. But but she's just a lot of fun. I mean, she's immediately more compelling in in two 20 minute episodes than Michael Burnham has been in two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> That's not hard. <laughs> well, yeah, she's she's not been raised by Vulcan as a Vulcan foster child and all that other yeah. stuff that they've piled on her. Uh, 
the other one, other co-lead is uh, Ensign Brad Boimler. He he is the I want to be by the book Starfleet guy. I want to be a captain someday, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm not really all that competent, at least yet. You know, he's he's sort of the, a, a bit of a bumbler. Uh, I have to point yeah. out he's voiced by Jack Quaid, the actor Jack Quaid, who if you've watched Amazon's The Boys, which I'm not, not sure I necessarily recommend. I've seen an episode, though. He is uh, Huey on that series. So it's mm. interesting. To, uh, I recognize his voice. I'm like, who is that guy? So he's he's on that. But uh, so uh, and so Boibler is in a, in a sense, he's the fan, the 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 fanboy. You know, he wants to be yeah. Starfleet guy. But likely if any of us joined Starfleet, we'd all end up like Boimler, probably not really well, and, all that capable. And he's also. Well, he's also a, a rookie, really. I mean, yeah. because I, if I remember right, this is set uh, 2380 and he graduated in 2379, it yes. says in the, the first episode. So uh, he, he this really this is his first assignment on this ship, which is kind of the second class ship of the fleet. Yes. You know, it's not the first class like the Enterprise. And he's still just trying to figure out himself and what that means to be part be an ensign yeah. in Starfleet. Right. And he and um, and Mariner are effectively a kind of character dyad that serve as fan identification. Yes. Because uh, Mariner represents the heroic adventurous side that, you know, that is appealing to fans, whereas Boimler represents the insecurities that every human being has and overcoming those and so the you look at the two of them and you kind of take these two characters like in the original series you had kirk spock and mccoy as a triad of you know of of an individual human you really have the same kind of thing here you have the courage and the caution uh the the rule breaking and the rule following with Mariner and Boimler and you put them together. They're kind of one person that represents the fan. Right. And one competent <laughs> crew member together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the other two main characters we're going to see uh, is uh, uh, Ensign Devana Tendi. She's Orion. So she's green skinned. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a, she's also brand new. She's newly commissioned uh, Ensign. She's in sciences. Uh, she works in sick base. So she's some kind of medic. Uh, she's idealistic. She's friendly, outgoing, uh, innocent. She's a nerd. She's a nerd, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> and then we have Ensign Sam Rutherford. He's human, a junior engineer, but he has cybernetic implants for some reason. So he's we're going to have a lot of Jordy Borg jokes from him. I think. Yeah. I was surprised that they because he's it's not he's it's not just that he's got cybernetic implants because we've had other characters with cybernetic implants like um, on on Discovery. Right. Yep. Two two of the bridge crew have cybernetic implants. One of them to such an extent we didn't even know if she was a human. Right. For right. a long time. Um, but here he's got not just cybernetic implants, but he's got like an eyepiece that blocks mm-hmm. out one of his eyes. Yeah. It's just not both eyes like Jordy. And he's an engineer and he happens to be black. And I'm going, are you, are the writers deliberately trying to call Jordy to mind? Right. Well, then, then he's, then he's awkward with women as well, which that's a Jordy trait. You know, so that's true. They did establish that, although I'd expect that for just about any character in a comedy. They're either going to be <laughs> awkward or they're going to be Pepe Le Pew. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> uh, and then we have um, sort of as background characters, we have all of the senior officers. We have the captain, the first officer. Uh, first officer is clearly uh, overpowered Riker. 
Uh, there's mm-hmm. a, a yep. ba- uh, not a base, uh, Bajoran security officer who is like he outwarfs Worf by tenfold. Yeah, I love having a Bajoran in that role. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and the Caitlin Doctor. Yes, yes. Like yep. the, the, the cat he's, doctor, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, is she's, and she's kind of like, I mean, she's she's kind of got the hair of Beverly Crusher only all over her body as a cat. <laughs> right. And, and the attitude of Dr. Pulaski. Yes, yes. <laughs> a little Pulaski, a little McCoy. Gra- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> grouchy doctor. Yes. Uh, so, and that's, I mean, then there's a bunch of other uh, secondary characters that come and go, but uh, that's pretty... Well, the, the, the captain's the most important because yeah. she is... Um, it turns out she, we learn in the course of the first episode, she has a special interest in uh, Mariner. Right. Right. The rule breaker. She wants to kick, she's tired of Mariner's attitude. Uh, she wants to kick her off the ship and she wants evidence to do that. So she gets, she gives Boimler a secret mission to monitor, uh, his, monitor his coworker and report mm-hmm. on any breaches of protocol. Right. And then we find at the end uh, the very strange reason why uh, she gives him this. So um, the the show's humor, it feels very irreverent. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. a lot. It feels in some ways like The Simpsons, that sort of fourth wall breaking. Yeah, not irreverent in the religious sense. No, no, irreverent in the uh, in, in the. Uh, paying uh, uh, homage to Star Trek itself. It's irreverent right. towards Star Trek in that sense. Simultaneously, I think it's also quite reverent yeah. because yeah. it it it's clear the people who um who make this love Star Trek. They are not right. running it down. Right. They are they're it's this is affectionate humor. Um, so you get like lots of name dropping. In fact, the first episode goes out with that. By the end of the first episode, Mariner and (laughs) Boimler have bonded and and she's declared because he has not turned her in. Right. Rule breaking. And and she's like, I'm going to be your new mentor. It's going to be so awesome. I'm going to teach you all about Captain Kirk and my man Worf. And (laughs) have you ever heard of Khan Noonien Singh? And he's going, yes, I've heard of him. And so how about Gary Mitchell? I'm sure I can look him up. (laughs) (laughs) So this is clearly humor from from people who enjoy the franchise and, and, you know, like it. They're just this is this is in sort of in the family teasing. There is mm-hmm. a ton of Easter eggs for fans. Yes. In this. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, including references to stuff that's um, sort of the way that the so some of the cliches of the originals, of the, not just the original series, but all the series, some of the cliches that come up, some of the things fans love to point out about the show, things that we bring up a lot of times. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of those references. Uh, well, like the opening scene starts with, you know, supposed captain's log. Of course, it turns out it's actually Boimler pretending to be captain doing captain's log. Yes. But it starts with the epic hero shot of the <laughs> the, the senior officers on the bridge. Right. And then you hear the record scratch. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so the, the premise of the first episode, like the, the, the A plot is they're they have they, they titled the episode it's called second contact and so after you have first contact with a species 
well, somebody's got to be the one that shows up to do second contact, right? To kind of establish protocols and, you know, trade and or whatever, you know, huh? what, who Connect can visit? Connect to the Starfleet Internet and, you know, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, that comes up. Actually, I like that. That's In fact, Boimler <laughs> gets the job of connecting their star, them to Starfleet Internet or Federation Internet, that sort of stuff. So th- that comes up. And um, what is it? Beckett, he, he, when in his process of monitoring Beckett, he notices her drive off in one of the Starfleet the Argos, the, Ar- the Argo buggies, the, from right? Nemesis from Nemesis, right? Uh, she drives off with some stuff, and so he follows her, and he thinks that she's selling Starfleet gear on the side to the natives, uh, and confronts and, her about it. And what she's actually doing is she was on the first contact mission because she was on another ship called the Keto mm-hmm. and got kind of kicked off. And that's why she's on the Cerritos. And she knows these people. They're farmers and they desperately need some farm equipment and she's helping them out. She's not black marketeering. Right, right. Uh, then there's a. And then they get, apparently the farmers on this planet farm these giant spiders, which look yeah. terrifying and chases them. Uh, turns out that they're uh, they're completely herbivores. Uh, herbivores and they just like to suck on the people when they grab them. So, Need yeah. moisture. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. there's so there's a great there's a great sequence with one of these spider cows where it um it 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 gets uh Boimler in its maw and is sucking on him to get moisture and he doesn't know that's why. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point I think Beckett had managed to get him to like take off his uniform so they could create the dummies for it to go after and so he's like in his underwear being suckled by this giant yeah. herbivore spider. Uh and of course it's his uniform that the spider goes after not hers so right. she's back in uniform fairly quickly. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then the B plot is, or the second plot, because I don't know if it's the B plot, is back on the ship. The, what was it? The first officer gets bitten by mm-hmm. a bug on the planet, yep. and it right. basically turns him and into be- a zombie. And and so we have, so I like that conceptually, that the B plot, the less important of the plots, is about the main the the leaders of the crew the bridge officers <laughs> right so we've we've got upstairs downstairs you know it's been flipped yep. here um and and meanwhile even even then the 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 b plot isn't strictly about the bridge officers it's really about how our engineer friend is having a date in the midst of the in crisis, the middle of a zombie outbreak, and it's yeah. like he's having a great date. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. just even the, even though there's a zombie outbreak around them, and they're dealing with the zombie outbreak, they help with the zombie outbreak. It's still really a date they're on. Yes, yeah. well, it, it's he's he's on a date with this in, with Ensign Barnes, who's a trill, and I thought she her at least her look was very clearly inspired by Esri Dax. Yeah, that's you know, the same short that. haircut, the same, you know, of course, yeah. with the, the, the spots and everything, although not the personality. She's definitely not as neurotic as Esri Dax yeah. could get. Right. Well, and I love the fact that in the end, what it is that that makes the it's not the crisis or anything like that that ends up making the date end poorly. It's the fact that the the Tendi, her name is uh, or no, not Tendi. Um, really? Would you say her name was or, brother? Was Barnes. Barnes. Barnes is the woman okay. in, the, yep. in the date. Yeah, Barnes was unconcerned with the fact that a red alert over, uh, overrode the maintenance hatch pro- access protocols, and she was she wasn't concerned by that. And Rutherford just couldn't deal with someone who could could be that way with <laughs> toward. Well, he just yeah, yeah he just started he just started geeking out about this 
this uh, door not working right. And <laughs> I, I like at the end of the episode when he's sitting down in the in the lounge with Tendy talking about this. Yeah. And so how did your date go? And it's like, oh, it was great. She was intelligent. We had a lot of fun. I don't think I'll see her again. Why yeah. not? Well, she wasn't concerned about whether Red over over um, Red Alert overrode this door lock. And Tindy's like, oh, I totally understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why someone wouldn't be into that. How, yeah, how could she not be interested? <laughs> right. And and, and sure, thus revealing what a what a geek uh, Tindy is, mm-hmm. and setting also Tindy had her own adventure because she works in sick bay. Yep. yep. During the zombie outbreak, at one point, Doctor Taana, the the cat doctor. Um, told her to like pump this guy's heart manually <laughs> yes. and and she's like squeezing the guy's heart and it's like i'm sorry and he's going uh, i'm sorry uh, but she's got to keep doing this to keep him alive <laughs> and then and then at the end of it she's like i got to pump a human heart <laughs> <laughs> so she is she's quite the geek yeah. And and we now have what I think is going to be, and th- they start to play with this in the next episode, but um, a, a romance with um, with Rutherford. Rutherford. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, the, I, I like Tendi in that. There was, I love it when she first walks into sick bay, and I'm supposed to be working with the nurse. That is the nurse, and of course he's strapped down and you know zombie pied <laughs> and everything. So she's as she's strapping him in, she's shaking his head. Well, it was so great to work. I'll be so glad to work with you. As he's as he's spewing black bile all over her. Yeah, (laughs) right, right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, um, anything left to say about this first episode? What do you think? I mean, is this long term? This is a a thing. Of course, we've got we've got the big disclosure at the end of why the captain is so interested. in Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, we should mention that. Yeah. It turns out, so we see the captain talking uh, on the, the, the communications with an admiral. Turns out the admiral is her husband. She's complaining yep. about Mariner. And it turns out Mariner is their daughter who's been yep. assigned yeah. to the ship. Yeah. Uh, and she's trying to get her daughter off the ship. Why was it she didn't like her daughter on, on the ship? She wanted to get her off? She, she, she breaks rules. She causes trouble. And she basically undermines her in front of the crew. That's right. right. That's right. Which, which she actually does at one point in this episode. At the, after they've solved the zombie outbreak problem, which they did because Boimler was covered with spider cow slime. Yep. That yep. had the antidote in it. That's right. And Dr. Ta'ana realized that and manufactured the cure. The captain is giving uh, it, like all of the credit to Dr. Ta'ana. <laughs> and Mariner is saying, hey, it, it give Boimler some credit. Yeah. And she, she actually is undermining her mom in front of the crew. Right. Um, but nobody really notices, which is what uh, her father, then the admiral, then says is, I don't think anyone notices when she does that. <laughs> right. Well, there's there's a great line when they realize when the doctor realizes this, this slime is the cure. They literally say, you know, protect this slime. And of course, you can take it two ways, you know, protect the slime or, or protect the slime that is the person with the slime. <laughs> yeah, protect Boimler. He's the slime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, a couple things that I thought to mention. Um, one of them is apparently there was, and I think I remember seeing this, but I didn't pay it a lot of attention. There was um, a, a trailer for the series that got released a number of months ago that portrayed the characters in a way that it 
is thought to or is said to be very different than how they are on the show. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the trailer well enough to remember how they were portrayed, but apparently a lot of fans were concerned based on what they saw in the trailer um, that they didn't think they would like this. But then when people saw the actual episode, it's like, oh, these characters aren't that way at all. Yeah. Um, so if you w did have concerns based on the trailer, give it a shot on its own and see whether or not you like it. Yeah. The the humor is, as you can tell, they have these, you know, character dynamics that are thought out. And so and they're they're setting up character arcs that will play out over the season. Mm -hmm. um, I particularly like a clip they play of upcoming episodes where you have the captain talking to her daughter Mariner and Mariner is being flip and disrespectful and leaving. And, mm -hmm. and her, her mother, the captain is like, don't you give me that sarcastic Falcon salute. As she, cause she's doing this live long and prosper thing yeah. while, while having an irreverent look on her face. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I like character arcs. I like the affection that this has for all of prior Star Trek. I like the Easter eggs. I, you know, it's fan service, but I'm a fan, so I'm OK yeah. with that. Um, it's I thought it was a lot of fun. The humor is like a lot of modern humor. It is similar. I have seen a little bit of Rick and Morty and it is similar to that, but it is more family friendly. A little bit. Than Rick and Morty. Yeah, it yeah. is not entirely family yeah, friendly. Yeah, I want to point that and, out. <laughs> and so you should be aware of that. And yeah, there are jokes in there that eh, it's not to my taste. I'd rather they not do that one. But um, it, if, it, 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 it's kind of on the same par as what The Simpsons used to be. I don't know what The Simpsons is now in terms yeah. of family friendliness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's better than, say, Family Guy was. Uh, family Guy was yes. not family oh, friendly yeah. at all. Uh, right. Whereas no. this this is more towards Simpsons level. But there's still some there's still some innuendo. There's still like the the all nude male Olympic holodeck program that, yeah. that get <laughs> where you where we don't see anything. Right. They yeah, they're all turned away. But uh, but they make a joke about yeah. it. Um, there's some and, of that and stuff. there. And a little bit of the humor, like a lot of modern humor on in, in visual media is mildly transgressive, not in the sense of. In the sense of breaking a social taboo or a moral law, but in the sense of, oh, I didn't expect them to go there. Yeah. Um, right. Like early on, one of the very first scenes in this is. um Boimler is in the in even though we're being shown a hero shot of the bridge, Boimler is actually in a closet doing his pretend captain <laughs> yeah. log on an iPad. Right, right. And and Tindy comes in and gets him, and they're on shore leave. So what is he doing hiding in a closet doing a pretend captain's log? Right. It's already clear she's been drinking Romulan whiskey, so she's tipsy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and she starts playing with a batleth while she's tipsy. <laughs> and she's like playfully menacing Boimler and then like stabs his leg accidentally. Yeah. And and we see some blood. But it's a significant cut from a 20th century perspective. Right. Yeah. And they just look at each other and scream. <laughs> and we go to the credits, which involves a bunch of sight gags with the Cerritos traveling in space. Yeah. But so when we come back, you know, since this is a 24th century, 
his leg is totally fine. Yeah. You know, because they just took him to sick bay and ran a magic wand over it. And now it's fine. <laughs> but there's that moment from a 20th century perspective where it's like, I didn't expect them to go there for us to actually see a cut like this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's true. Uh, Father Corey, um, what do you think? Is uh, did Star Trek need lower decks? Is this a, a positive addition? I, I, you know, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm still, I kind of enjoy. I, you know, it's it's okay. You know, I, I I'm really kind of struggling with it a little bit because does it need it? No. Is it fun? Sure. Is it something I'm going to watch? Yeah, and not just because we're doing this, you know, recordings, yeah. but. It, it's it's just different, and I I don't know. I, I admittedly I don't have a high tolerance for stupid humor. I mean, I'm a, I can't say that, but because there's certain things I really like and I really enjoy, you know. But so if it really can, I can see myself being turned off by it if it goes kind of a certain direction with its humor, kind of like the Family Guy type humor. Yeah, yeah. I really don't have a high tolerance for that. Um, but I, so far I, I I found it to be pretty. Pretty, pretty good. You know, something it were enjoyable to watch. Let's right. just put it that way. Right. Uh, one thing I got a kick out of there was, uh, I think it was, I think it was Tendi and, and uh, no, it was, it was Rutherford and Barnes were talking about, you know, the music they like, you know, that classical band, the Monkees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, yes. I'm a believer. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was great. The Monkees reference. <laughs> also, know, so, another, another piece of humor I just really liked, and it was just a sight gag. Uh, where when Tendi first comes in to meet Boimler and Mariner, Boimler is trying to fix a replicator. Yes. And and instead of a usual, like we've seen Chief O'Brien fixing replicators all the time, and it's like a boring thing. But this replicator is, the way it's broken, is it's stuck in a mode where it is manufacturing bananas that are hot. <laughs> Yeah. So the hot bananas touch. They're like really hot. They're like hot potato, hot bananas instead of hot potatoes. <laughs> and so like every five seconds, it just spits out a hot banana and it, yeah. and Boimler will try to pick it up and it'll burn his hands. And it's just this sight <laughs> gag of, OK, let's have a replicator that's spitting out bananas every five seconds. And they're like hot potatoes. Well, I like the way the computer's saying it, too. It's like like on Discovery where they would order, you know, burrito hot. With beans, you know, something like that. So it's doing banana, hot, banana, hot, banana, hot. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do want to, I do yeah. want to ask, um, since we now know that there's not just Romulan ale, but Romulan whiskey, is Romulan whiskey stronger than Romulan ale? Just like earth whiskey is stronger than earth ale? I would assume so. If we've mapped Romulan <laughs> beverage terms onto English beverage terms, I assume that we'd follow some rough conventions. There may be Romulan yeah. port that's slightly sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Romulan champagne. Very, very bubbly. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, we did get an email, a, a preemptive email from a, uh, a listener, a patron, uh, George, who uh, sent this along. He says, uh, so I just watched the first two episodes and he, he says, uh, it's a mixed bag for me. Uh, why the crude humor? It's too over the top. Although some of it's pretty funny. Did they get all their ideas from the Orville? Although the show might not last very long if they continue to reference everything from all previous Star Trek shows as often as they do. Ha ha. Not really. I think I'll watch another episode or two, but I don't see it getting much better. 
Well, uh, you know, I think different people have different reactions, just like they do to everyone. Date goes to bus non est disputandum. Mm-hmm. Um, and that applies especially to humor, because as the Emperor Cartagia reminds us. Humor is such a subjective thing. Don't you think, Malari? So, <laughs> yes. you know, your mileage may vary, but I really enjoyed it. OK, I think uh, we're all agreed. That we like it a little better than better than George did. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think I, I think we could, you know, crude humor. Yeah, I, I could do without it. But I like the references to other Star Trek shows. I like the Easter eggs. Um, I think some of it's funny. You could you could overdo that and that could get could get old uh, you know, quickly. But if they can kind of continue to develop the characters a bit, I think there's actually some potential in the characters. Well, there's going to be there's going to be something the next episode we'll talk about where I, I think, you know, they, they are really developing the characters and it, it's being really well done in this. Um, they're not just flat characters like so many, you know, like we talked about the Simpsons, there really has never been a lot of development of characters in the Simpsons. And that's the whole point. It's right. the not same a, basic not, character. Not, not after season three. Yes. You know, and you know, and it, it's this, they are trying to do it where they're, these aren't just flat characters that are the same characters every week, you know, there's yeah. going to be aspects that will keep coming up week after week after week, but they are developing the characters. And I, I think that's going to be to its benefit. And it's, it is a, I, I mean, I think it is a well done series. It just might not be my taste completely, at least not yet, but I do enjoy it. It's yes. just, you know, it is a well done series. It's still Star Trek. It's not at my top, but yeah. it's not, you know, terrible either. So it, no, I, I, I think it's uh, worthwhile. At the at the moment, if you asked me, would you like to see a brand new episode of of Lower Decks, or would you rather see a brand new episode of Discovery? <laughs> I think I'm going yeah. with Lower Decks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I'm there yet, but uh, but yeah, I I, I mean I, I appreciate it. All right, I think we should wrap it up there. Uh, we're we're threatening to go longer than the actual episode uh, that we're covering, but uh, we'll <laughs> we'll be back uh, next time where we'll be talking about uh, the next episode of Lower Decks, which is called uh, Envoys. Uh, but I do want to take a moment to thank you, our patrons, who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. We could not continue to do this without your continued financial support. So uh, let us know, what did you think of the first episode and Lower Decks in general? You can let us know by visiting this post on Patreon and leave some feedback or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. You can always subscribe to The Secrets of Star Trek and, and listen to all of the other Star Trek discussion we have by visiting sqpn.com slash trek. Until next time, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing The Secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, and live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, yeah, we're not really elite. We're more like the cool, scrappy underdogs of the ship. You know, we don't wash our hands. We're doing kickflips all the time. <laughs>